On today's pod, Valeria and Marina talk to Jenny, a counselor at the Ryerson Center for Student Development and Counseling. They discuss the practice of cultivating self-compassion, grounding techniques, and how to sit with yourself as you are. So please lean in and enjoy this conversation with Valeria, Marina, and Jenny. Hi, everyone. My name is Marina Music, and my co-host is Valeria. And today we're going to be talking about self-compassion with Jenny from the uh, Center for Student Development and Counseling. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Marina. Hi, Valeria. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was yeah. excited when Marina told me that you were coming on because I know of the work you do and I don't know, just this entire topic in general makes me really excited and just passionate mm-hmm. because I think everybody could use a little bit more self-compassion. Uh, mm-hmm. If we want to start off by first defining what self-compassion is, and Marina made a really good point earlier to me about it, about how it's different from let's say self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I think we all kind of need a little bit more self-compassion right now, especially right with the, with the pandemic. And, you know, sometimes it, for some people, it's harder to kind of hug maybe their loved one, maybe that they haven't seen in a while time or experiencing some distressing kind of emotions. And maybe now a little bit more than ever, we have to learn ways to kind of like really be more kind towards ourselves and so that's that's what self-compassion is. It's being more kind towards ourselves, but especially when we're going through something hard or challenging. So it's and compassion actually means to suffer with. So it's not necessarily getting rid of that feeling or getting rid of the emotion. But I mean, let's be honest, we all want to do that sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's more kind of just learning to kind of like suffer within that um, to kind of, and and I'll go into it, but just there are kind of the three, sort of three main areas of self-compassion. And, and, you know, and through this podcast, we'll, you know, do maybe a bit of an exercise or two, but one is kind of the, there's three. So the first one is mindfulness and mindfulness is just noting whatever's here. So noting just where you are right now, Maybe noticing a thought that's coming up right now, noticing the room around you. Um, so it's really, it's nothing more or nothing less. It's, it's just what's right here in front of you, right? And then the second part of that is of self-compassion is common humanity. And so really trying to, and, and I can go, I'll briefly explain the three and then kind of go more into it. And I know there's some questions, but common humanity is kind of like, being able to connect our our feeling, or, you know, something we're going through with other people to make us feel not so alone. And then the third part is self-kindness. So really maybe it's kind of a way to soothe ourselves, whether that's through words or maybe it's comforting ourselves in a hard time and we're going to kind of allow ourselves to sit through that through maybe with music or we might kind of use a certain statement that is a little bit more gentler with ourselves um so yeah those are kind of like the three main components and and definitely we can kind of go into them a little bit more um but just to kind of see if there was maybe questions about that 
Yeah, so I just wanted to get into, uh, I guess, the those three main components in terms of like teasing out what self-compassion yeah. is. Um, and also just the, the point that, that I find interesting is, is just distinguishing the difference between self-compassion, which is like this ability to be empathetic with yourself because you are a human being that is going through difficult things like other human beings. And that's that common yeah. humanity thing. And that that is different from saying, from saying, I love myself, like I'm perfect, this, that. It's not it's to con confuse the two because people sometimes resist on the basis of like, well, I'm not that special. I, I can't love myself. But self-compassion is yeah. simpler to to get to self-compassion than to self-love necessarily. So I think mm -hmm. that's also useful to note in terms of like improving our, how we treat ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. So kind of being more self-compassionate towards ourselves can kind of increase maybe the self-love that we have for ourselves, Right. And, and actually the reason why, so it's kind of like, well, okay, why, like, why are we going to practice this? Right. Sometimes when we hear self-compassion, all these maybe words or thoughts or images, or is this some like new thing that people are practicing? Like, what is this about? And there's been actually like a lot of research on it. And so um, th they've done a lot of studies where practicing self-compassion can actually reduce anxiety, depression. Um, you know, it, it might even kind of increase our self-esteem. Self-esteem and self-compassion is, is different because you can never have too much self-compassion. You can have maybe too much self-esteem, right? or or not enough but you can never have too much kind of self-compassion and so um the the other thing is just to kind of give like a little, little bit of like science about this is how it might be helpful is when we are critical on ourselves which we all have this kind of inner critic that tells us like well you should be doing this or you know you shouldn't be feeling this way or i should be doing more what actually happens is our nervous system goes with that kind of inner critic, right? Um, and so the nervous system is responsible for fight, flight, or freeze. So it's really there to protect us from danger, right? If a tiger comes out and I got to get away from that tiger, my nervous system goes off. I either got to fight that tiger, I got to flight and get out of here, or I got to freeze because this is too much to kind of, you know, feel this pain. It also, what that does is, is it raises our blood pressure right? It might make us feel more overwhelmed, this kind of danger. So with kind of that critical, you know, kind of uh, inner critic, then what happens is it's this false alarm that goes off. And so our blood pressure raises, we think that there's this actual threat. When we do self-compassion, and again, we'll, we'll kind of go through it in a minute, but when we do self-compassion, what it actually does is releases oxytocin, which is, um, which is a hormone in our body to really help us feel more calm, to feel soothed. So soothing touch, soothing words can really help release that. And then our system goes into parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system, which is kind of like the rest and digest, the relaxed sort of system. So it's like when a baby is born and usually um, it goes on its mother's chest, you know, most times or, or the parent's chest. The reason why is because that skin to skin contact releases that oxytocin, right? And kind of provides that comfort, that soothing. So this is actually what research is, is, is telling us as well. So there is science behind how this can actually help. It doesn't mean that it gets rid of a negative feeling, 
because again, it goes back to compassion is suffering with, right? And I mean, we've all tried really hard to get rid of these negative feelings or emotions or when life isn't working our way. But what we find is that might just kind of build them up stronger. I'm sorry, Valeria, I saw that you had a question. Oh yeah, Uh, I just wanted to talk about something that I noted that Marina said in regards to self-love and Mm -hmm. how self-love could be a thought that you're perfect. Mm -hmm. And I just, um, hmm, what are my thoughts on this? How to relate that. How self-love, I would see it as like more of a form of like radical Mm self-acceptance as opposed to radically viewing yourself as perfect. You know, because if you've ever, if you love or have ever loved, you know that the people that you love are definitely not perfect, at least if you're recognizing them as Mm -hmm. human beings. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was one thing. And the other thing that I loved that you talked about was the somatic experience of having an anxious experience or having a depressive experience, because those are like, I feel like people think of emotions as separate from themselves, but it's really just, it's part of our body. Our brain is the most important organ in our body and neurotransmitters are physical, real things causing these synapses in our brains that make Mm -hmm. us feel this way and that induce these sometimes unpleasant feelings. And we really should just recognize that that's a very normal part of being human and of just having a body, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because it totally relates to, to the common humanity piece of self-compassion, right? So it's, it's not necessarily like self-love meaning I am perfect, although maybe somebody might view it that way. Right. But the self, but looking through that self-compassion lens is like all humans make mistakes. I'm accepting kind of myself through my mistake, my imperfections. It doesn't mean I'm agreeing with it or that I have to like it, but that's kind of like a compassionate stance. So, so for example, just to kind of walk through a little bit, if that's okay, is the, the first part is the mindfulness. So again, just noting whatever's there. So if you guys want to just kind of take a moment, if you want to, and then for listeners, if possible, you can kind of like ground your feet. So meaning just place your feet gently on the ground, you know, nothing magical happens, but it's just a way to kind of connect with right now. You might imagine that there's like roots of a tree connected to your feet, kind of pulling you down. You might notice sensation, maybe warm or cool. And then just taking a moment to just kind of acknowledge or notice. Maybe you're noticing some tension. So you might say, I'm noticing some tension in my shoulders or I'm noticing a feeling of stress. I'm feeling anxious right now. There's no right or wrong way, but it's really just noting whatever is, but then putting a period at the end of that. Because what happens is as soon as we kind of stop for a minute and pause and we're like, oh, I'm noticing anxiety all of a sudden our mind has this way of thinking of all the things that are making us anxious. And then before we know it, we're out of the present moment, right? And now the anxiety has probably increased and now we're thinking of all these things we got to do. So it's just kind of when it, when your mind does that, just kind of gently bring it back and just like acknowledging like, okay, 
I'm noticing this feeling of anxiety right now, period. And just see if you can kind of maybe ground your feet or take a breath in through your nose. Like imagine you're smelling your favorite smell, whatever that may be. And then gently breathing out through your mouth like you're cooling down soup. Again, this is a way to just kind of, you know, help relax us, to help ground us. Doesn't mean those thoughts are gone, right? They can still be there, but it's just a way to be mindful. So again, it's just, and what that does is it's also acknowledging and validating maybe what we're feeling in that moment. Because a lot of times we, we don't always do that, right? We don't want to feel that. We don't want to think about that. I got work to do. I got school to do. I got family. I got life. I don't have time for this, right? Absolutely. It makes sense. But the more we kind of ignore that or suppress it, it's not uncommon for it to kind of maybe get a little bit louder or to come up again, right? So this is just kind of like sort of a simple way to start. And before I kind of move on to common humanity, I just want to, well, I want to ask how that was for you guys to, to sort of take a moment and just pause and check in with yourself what you're noticing. Yeah, I mean, I find that this is a, it sounds like a simple exercise, but it's something that we really neglect on a regular basis to do. And I do think you're right in terms of one part of that is that fear that, you know, mm -hmm. once one emotion comes up, then all of the things triggering that emotion or you're going to spiral. Um, and mm -hmm. then, and then, oh my God, I'm going to feel out of control. And am I going to be able to handle how I feel? And I think mm -hmm. those feel, mm -hmm. those fears, you know, stop you from, from checking in with yourself. Um, and like you said, you know, like, oh, I feel like I don't have time. So maybe today I know I have to write a paper and I'm thinking, okay, well, if I check in with my emotions and something difficult comes up, <laughs> am I going to be able yeah. to write my paper afterwards? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so um, it's it's just in that feeling of control almost over yourself mm -hmm. and you're sort of mm -hmm. controlling your emotions in a way. But I think it's so important to get in touch with your emotions because they're really data about what's going on uh, with you. Mm. It, they tell you really important information. You know, like if I notice a negative emotion, maybe I'm feeling stressed. You know, that's telling me about, about the fact that I should probably be doing what is stressing me out because personally I, I have anxiety and I procrastinate a lot. Um, and I know that if I don't touch my work, I get a lot more anxious about it and I don't, and I, now sure. I just stress about it and I don't do it. But okay. sometimes like noticing that emotion, it's, it's sort of of anxiety. It's telling me like, please sit down and do the work so that I can feel less yeah. stressed. Um, but yeah. yeah, just like taking emotions as data. And yeah, I definitely noticed some stress come up. For sure. And yeah. And I mean, thank you for sharing because it is really difficult, right? Like sometimes it's like, I don't want to feel that. Are you kidding me? Like, I got too much to do. Or what does that mean if, if, if I feel that? So I, I, I totally understand that, right? For sure. But it, like you mentioned about the anxiety is like, you know, the anxiety equals avoidance. Avoidance equals anxiety. It's like this constant kind of cycle, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this mindfulness is just kind of a, a way to notice what's going on, you know, with you, right? Another thing, you know, is you could even just use your five senses and take a moment like, okay, what are the things I see? What are the things I feel? Hear, smell, taste, touch. It's a way to kind of, you know, maybe bring you a little bit sort of what's going on like inside and kind of outside, right? So that there are many ways that you can just 
implement like mindfulness and, and, and I'm like, I am a person that's like build it within your day. Right. So if you love walking, when you're walking, just take a moment to like, notice like, what are the sounds I hear? What do I feel? You know, the pavement or maybe the wind on my cheek or whatever it may be, you know, what do I see? What do I smell? What do I taste? That brings us to the moment, right? Because how often are we like walking and we're thinking of like, Oh, I got to do this when I get home and I got to get this and I got to do that. I know I used to do that all the time. I'm walking the subway, right? Like all the things you got to do before you get to work. But, but then what we find is when you actually take a moment to kind of just what's going on right now around you is it really brings you to the present. And then you find that your stress levels are actually lower, right? That you're maybe actually feeling less tense. Again, it doesn't mean it gets rid of everything, but it's a way to kind of help manage sort of those emotions or thoughts when they arise. And, you know, just to kind of continue with like the common humanity is we, we all do it. We all compare. It is, it is human nature to compare. You know, if you think of like since the beginning of time of like you know, cave people days, <laughs> that's even the right word, but like cave people days, you know, if, you, if, if at that time I had to go out and get my meal and hunt, I got to compare myself to others, right? Because I got to see, is that tiger bigger than me? Or It's, you know, it's a survival this? technique. Exactly. Exactly. So, right, we all do it, but I think we don't always talk about it. But sometimes those comparison thoughts can get in the way of our lives. And, and, and I'll hear a lot, like, just through my work and stuff, and, you know, just speaking with people is like, you know, this person seems like they have it all together. They're not stressing about this exam or, you know, a lot of social media, right? And we've all done it where we're scrolling through something and we're like, oh, this person's perfect. Look, they've done all this through the pandemic and they're probably not worrying about kind of anything. And they're making bread. Yeah, <laughs> they're making bread. Yeah, for sure, right? And the thing is that the common humanity piece is like, all human beings are going through something. It may not be exactly like the situation may not be the same, right? The intensity of the, the emotion may range, but the process is the same for all of us. Like we all can struggle with how life should be in this moment. Where are we going? You know, we all kind of can't always get what we want, right? And so when kind of like that, and when you kind of notice that comparison of like, oh, this person, like they, you know, they have it all together. They're probably not worried about school or, you know, probably nerve. They're probably not even nervous about this job interview to kind of take a moment. And, and, and the common humanity piece is like, you know, what? I'm sure lots of people have also probably felt the way I feel. Or, you know what? Lots of people have probably also made mistakes other people in my classroom are probably also worried about failing this exam, right? It's because what happens with the comparison mode, right? When, when it's kind of like, I only feel this way, I'm the only one that's going through this, then we start to feel even more alone. And now it's even harder. So it's really a way to kind of connect with others that everybody's going through something right we just don't always know what it is i feel like that kind of thinking that i'm the only one who feels this way or i'm the only one who can understand me it can be very isolating 
to people. Mm -hmm. And um, it's quite individualistic, I think. Not that that's uh, necessarily something that makes someone a bad person. I'm I'm not saying that at all, because sometimes it really can feel like you're, oh, like you're the only one feeling this, like, because some difficult situations can be incredibly isolating. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that there's a lot of power in the recognition that none of us are really that special. Like, <laughs> that's how I kind of see it. Like, I'm not that special. You're not that special. We're all like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of a nice sentiment I like to think of. But the logic pans out. And so, yeah, I, I like the idea of just reminding yourself that regardless, there's somebody somewhere that has felt this before. Because if, mm-hmm. if you think of it, just logically, out of 7 billion people that currently mm-hmm. are living, and then the billions and billions of people that have lived before you, there's been mm-hmm. somebody who's been in your position and has felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, it's yeah, comforting. I, I don't know why it's comforting to know other people sh- share the same pain as you but it just is <laughs> well, because because also one we're hardwired for connection. Yeah. Cause we're social creatures. Right? That would make sense. Yeah. Social creatures. We all need connection. Right. So then when you're alone with your thoughts of like, nobody else has gone through this, it can feel sometimes comforting or whatever that feeling may be for you. Right. Or for the person of like, Oh wow, there's somebody else who's going through this. Right. Like it is really powerful when you, when you hear from people of like, oh, you've experienced that too, or you feel that way too, it, right? Like, I'm, I'm sure we can all think of times where that's happened, and then we don't feel as alone. Yeah, I just wanted to, this is like all just such good, such a good conversation. I Something to add to that is, um, this is a this is a little pretentious but Nietzsche said that life is suffering right like that was that was you know existential Uh philosophy was it's like this recognition of the fact that you know the the human condition is is you know we suffer in life and how we handle that suffering and how we overcome it is how we create meaning in our life Um, Mm. and so I, I just really like that you know sort of idea that it's a part of life and truly you cannot appreciate the positive things without the suffering. I think this was mentioned in um, in one of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, where <laughs> where it was like, well, if if nothing bad ever happened, you wouldn't like you wouldn't know you wouldn't appreciate the good things. And I'm not saying yeah. that you know this this doesn't make it any easier for you know hard difficult things to happen, but it is true yeah. that everything is sort of relative, and so there's actually like the need for suffering is necessitated by the fact that we can have positive experiences because you need something relatively negative to compare it to to understand mm-hmm. that it is positive and appreciate it. So hmm. I just in terms of suffering, like that's kind of how I see it. Sure. Because, you know, you can get caught in the loop of like, why? Why do humans have to experience suffering? And why do other people have to suffer like me? Like, why do we all have to go through this? And that sort of yeah. radical acceptance. I, I like that idea in terms of like, you know, this is just how things are. And so let's make the best of it. And so if we can reduce that suffering by connecting with other people Mm -hmm. or, you know, any other sort of self-compassion exercise, then Mm -hmm. that's that's the goal. Mm -hmm. Or also, if it is a situation in which it's suffering that's um, being caused without need or uh, without 
like oh, needless pain being inflicted on certain people or upon yourself. Obviously, that's like a different story. Yeah, I, I I like the sentiment that you made. I just uh, yeah, I wanted to add that on that. Like obviously, if mm -hmm. it's needless suffering, then you should address it and assess what is in your control in that situation and take action to relieve it as you can. But sometimes it's almost like, um, I think of it like stretching your muscles when you have a really tight muscle. I've gotten into the habit of kind of just like noticing the tightness and like kind of sitting with it and sitting with that discomfort for a minute yeah. and then going and stretching it. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's a yeah, mindfulness thing that I learned from some yeah. book. I don't know mm -hmm. where, but I've found that it has helped mm -hmm. make me a lot more present and also to kind of regard my own suffering mm -hmm. as something that's there, not something that's like specifically malicious, you know? Yeah. And I think what I hear through that Valeria is, is it makes sense because kind of going back to the self, the self compassion, like the mindfulness, right? Acknowledging what's there. If we can first acknowledge what's there, like, like, like you said, I think you said tightness or sorry, it might not have been your exact words, but tightness or kind of tension right when you're able to kind of acknowledge that then it kind of creates this space of like what do i need for it now i'm going to go stretch right whereas if we go about our day and kind of ignoring that which we, we all do at times right then how do we know what it is that we need because we're not really tuning into you know our mind or, or how our body's feeling so I think that was, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And, and you know, like your pain and, and not just you, Valeria, I know you were talking about, I'm saying anybody's pain is, is not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of defectiveness. It's a sign that you are a living human being, right? It's something that we all have in common with everybody. Right. But, you know, we don't know, we, we may not always kind of talk about that, but I also think that it's like, it makes sense that our mind tells us this because think about like, and it can, it can be different from for everybody, right? But just like take a moment and think about like, where or do I get a sense of like where I get these messages of that I shouldn't be kind towards myself, that I shouldn't take a moment just to acknowledge how I feel or, you know, link it to a common human experience or talk to myself, you know, in a nicer way well one i also think our society can kind of do this job of like you need to do more and it can be kind of like this maybe even competitiveness maybe you might have had an experience growing up where you were in a household that you didn't always get spoken nicely to maybe there was there was you know a lot of arguing and fighting in the house and so then it would be really difficult maybe to kind of like use comforting words when maybe that was kind of your experience. Um, I also think like there's a lot of books out there on and, and not that positivity doesn't work. Like I'm all for positivity. I'm just looking at this through a lens of self-compassion. But the thing is like there's this, this, you know, and I'll hear a lot of like, I think it's been on social media, a lot of like toxic positivity. And the thing is, it's like, well, when you instantly jump to positivity, you are kind of ignoring how you're feeling, right? It might work in the moment and it might feel good, right? Again, I'm not downplaying positivity. I'm just 
from a lens of self-compassion, right? But if you, if you also look at like all these um, self-help books and stuff like that, I think those can be really great. But at the same time, there's a lot of self-help books on how to get rid of, how not to feel, right? And so we work really hard not to feel or not to check in with ourselves or not to kind of acknowledge. Um, you know, maybe even our culture plays a part around I can remember like growing up and like hearing things of like, well, you should not be com be complaining because people have it worse than you, right? Well, then now you feel worse because now you're left with this feeling and you're like, oh man, I shouldn't be feeling this way because people have it worse. And sh yes, there can be degrees of situations, right? Ranges of emotions, right? Like not to minimize that at the same time, we don't want to minimize how you're feeling and what you're going through, but also acknowledging like, yeah, you know what? It makes sense. My mind's telling me this because maybe these are messages that I heard kind of growing up or, you know, while I was in university or, you know, maybe just through social media, right? Like sometimes we have to kind of stop and think where are these messages coming from? Because then it can help us understand like, oh, okay, this is why these messages are coming from my mind. It, it kind of makes sense. On that note, in terms of the the idea of you know not avoiding our emotions and i mean i think a lot of things about our culture or current present day society at least here in canada are set up in a way that there's a lot of avoidance of of feelings because mm -hmm. you know people immediately open their phones in the morning and and start to look on social media for example what i started doing recently is this meditation this wake up meditation and i don't look mm. at social media when i first wake up and it actually like the moment i wake up i'm more in tune with how i feel and um and that just starts the day off in a different manner and that's been super helpful but generally i think this idea of of there's a difference between an emotion and sort of your reaction to the emotion, right? Because mm -hmm. the emotion in itself, if, if it's a negative emotion, it's not, it's not, the emotion itself isn't telling you you shouldn't be feeling this way. That's some other messaging, right? Like it's just a feeling and it's there and it's impartial. It, it doesn't have any motives. It doesn't mm -hmm. think you should or shouldn't be doing anything. That That's all a reflection on you know, some sort of construct, um, some sort of external construct, especially in the society we live in today, which is sort of go, 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 just uh, succeed at the expense of other parts of your life. The and rat race. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the classic way to, way to frame it. Absolutely. And I think, I think we're sort of acknowledging on a societal level that that doesn't work in terms of producing even productive people, but like healthy, a healthy society of healthy people. But I think we've noticed over the pandemic that there's this need for self-care and self-compassion. Um, mm. And we noticed sort of having to slow down and stop in our society sort of working in a different way for a bit that oh, we don't have to push ourselves to the point of breakdown. And maybe we don't have to do it that way. So I like this idea that we can mm. kind of, we're at a point where we can reevaluate this is also why I think self-compassion is really important right now is we can reevaluate as a society how how do we want to teach people to treat themselves and go through their lives? And are we teaching people a method that is going to lead to happiness or not? Because I think the method we were mm. teaching before leads to maybe maybe monetary success, if even, but like mostly stress sure. and overall isn't geared towards just your overall mental well-being. So yeah, that's sort of my point there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, thank you. Those are all good points. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack, but that was really good, <laughs> I would say. Uh, Jenny, did you have any thoughts on what Marina commented on? Yeah, see, it's all kind of human nature when we have to kind of take a moment and think, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of just hearing what you're saying, like, I, I was, as I was listening, I was just kind of thinking about, yeah, like you said, about using this pandemic as a time about, like, how can we maybe, you know, treat ourselves in, like, more of a kind way, and, and please inter, inter, interject here if, you know, like, if there's something that I've, mis, you know, misunderstood, um, but how can we kind of treat ourselves and, you know, in, in a more kind way, because maybe the other models we use didn't work or that now we've had this time and some people have had this time, some people haven't, right? But some people have had this time of, wow, I was go, go, go like that rat race, right? And I never really had time to kind of do self-care or think about myself. There can be kind of this awareness. Is that kind of what you're getting at, Marina? Or yeah, I think just generally, like a lot of a lot of things I've noticed from, you know, obviously this pandemic has been very difficult and has had very, mm -hmm. you know, differing impacts on different people. Um, but some 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 positives that, you know, I have heard from people is reconnecting with their families if they have had the mm -hmm. ability to do that and and sort of looking forward that they believe that they will not go back to this former model of I only see my kids like twice a week or after hours. It's okay. almost like yeah. we've had this experience where we've experienced, oh, I could be spending more time with my children. I could be, you know, mm -hmm. just, just I could be reconnecting with my hobbies because, for example, I remember when the rat race stopped for me at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like this medical school goal, go, go, go thing. And I took a moment yeah. and I was like, oh my God, I haven't played guitar or anything, cre mm. done anything creative, like writing and all this stuff. And I just got right back into all of that. And it made me feel so much better. It's like taking the moment to notice the needs that you have that aren't being met. And that's mm. kind of what I think we could all do as a society. Like, what about this was a broken model and not allowing us to thrive? So maybe one thing is like maybe we're going to be spending more time with other people and and with family because we've noticed that you know social connection is really important to us mm -hmm. and it's just sort mm -hmm. of the fact that things can kind of change now and and a ripe opportunity for society to to change so i think that's just interesting in terms of where we're at mm -hmm. yeah no it's really interesting and even just kind of looking at that through self-compassion is like as a way to kind of apply that this was really hard for me. You know, lots of people, lots of people had, are struggling in, in different ways through the pandemic. And then kind of like the next part of, you know, maybe a soothing touch of like, you know, maybe hand on your heart or maybe kind of giving yourself a hug. That might kind of sound silly, right? But it is, again, going back to that kind of oxytocin and a way to comfort and then just kind of saying, you know, maybe finding the words to say like, but, you know, I, I am getting through it you know? or um, may I be more kind towards myself as, you know, as I'm coming out of this pandemic, you know, may I be able to kind of connect more with my with my friends and family. Right. Mm -hmm. And I find the more you show compassion to yourself, the more that reflects on how you treat other people and 
how other people feel around you. And I don't think that should be the main objective of why you should practice self-compassion. I think at the end of the day, you should do it because you want to live a life in which, how do I say this? You want to live a life in which you feel more balanced and aware and present, which is stupidly difficult <laughs> to be honest. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, um, it is difficult. It, it's so difficult. And I find that that's usually a lot easier to do to live that kind of life when you're in harmony with the people around you because you're treating each other well, mm -hmm. right? And it, it's kind of like a positive feedback cycle almost. And I, I really love that. Well, when you are more yeah. compassionate with yourself, you're also more compassionate to others, right? So that's yeah. actually what some of the other research has shown is that when you practice compassion with yourself, then you actually find that compassion towards others kind of, you know, increases. And then there is a thing of like, where sometimes, you know, how you've, you've been somewhere and you can feel like the energy, right? It's like, it just doesn't feel right or whatever. There's like something about emotions kind of being contagious or just kind of feeling what somebody else is feeling. So if you're feeling self-compassion and warmth, chances are other people around you might kind of take that on a little bit. And also it's, it's also just basic monkey see monkey do, because if somebody else sees you practicing self-compassion or self-care in this way, it, makes them almost more inclined or more inspired to do it themselves mm. because they see that it's okay to actually take that time yeah. for yourself. Yeah. And then it, yeah. that kind of snowballs and it can create a culture of taking more time to cultivate mm. your own well-being as well as that of people around you and just slowing down for a little bit. I think Marina's points about the rat race and as well as yours um, about just never giving yourself the time. Mm. Like it can even apply to me now. I'm still like having a tough time with it now with the semester winding mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. So I think there's so much value <laughs> in uh, everything we've been talking about and yeah. in how we can apply it to our everyday lives is something that I'd love to get into a little bit more too. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. uh, I love talking about this and having all these ideas out there, but I'm mm -hmm. also a big practical person and would love to know mm -hmm. how well, uh, to implement these things or for yeah. our listeners to know exactly how they can implement these things in different ways, because there's not just one way to do it. You have to mm -hmm. kind of find what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of em emphasizing that point that you just made about whatever works for you, because there is no right or wrong way to practice self-compassion or mindfulness. There's many different techniques and there's many different exercises and, you know, okay. phrases. And so really just feel free to adapt it to whatever works for you. And you're not doing it wrong if it's working, like if it's working for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, you're right. There's no, there's no right or wrong way to do this right and especially when you're learning like a new way to respond to yourself or a new skill right it's not going to always like sort of come naturally right so sometimes i would even like i, I would even say like you know if, if you're doing grounding right like noticing your feet or just taking a moment to kind of pause and just see like what am i feeling right now or just noticing if there's any tension in your body you know maybe you do it at a time when you feel like you don't really need to do it 
right? Although there might still be some tension there that you never notice, but the more you kind of practice that, nothing's perfect. The more you practice that, the more it kind of becomes a habit. So it's like, I, you know, and yeah, we can talk about ways, right? But it's like, you can read a book on how to drive a car, right? Because you'll, you'll learn the rules of the road, you'll learn, okay, I got my, you know, hand on 10 and two, right? And, and that's good, right? We can have this discussion about self-compassion, and I hope it sparks people's interest, right? But then are you willing to get into the car and drive? Because that's where you're going to learn more, right? So you can listen to all this about self-compassion for sure, and it may be helpful, but then it's like, once you kind of get in the car and do that, that's where it becomes more of a habit and, and or you might kind of get use of it. But again, it doesn't mean that it takes away those you know, negative or hard experiences, it's kind of suffering with that. But I will say that it is also difficult to practice this. And I don't mean difficult, like it, it's these hard exercises to teach or to do like anything, you know, it, it takes practice. But what I mean by hard is like, because of maybe these messages we've given, and it's very common where I'll hear from people of like, well, I don't deserve to talk to myself that way. Or, you know, maybe it's just kind of like, this sounds weird, not too sure. I mean, that's really common, right? Or like we've talked about earlier, well, I don't have time, I'm busy. So maybe it's kind of like, well, what's getting, what's getting in the way of that for you? Could look different for everybody. You know, are you willing to maybe try something a little bit different? You know, the, the third kind of part, and then I know kind of getting into exercises, but is really the the self-kindness part. And so there's many ways, but, you know, if you can think of, so right now, and even to listeners and Valeria and Marina, but like think of somebody who, you know, is like somebody you'd want sitting next to you, somebody who, and you can close your eyes, you can keep them open, half open, whatever feels good for you. Like somebody who brings you comfort. Somebody that's like, maybe puts a smile on your face and it could be somebody from the past. It could even be a pet. It could be somebody present. It could be a family member. It could be a neighbor. It could even be a mentor or a teacher, a best friend, right? There's no right or wrong way, just whatever comes to your mind. And just think about them sitting next to you. You know, maybe you're imagining that you're going through a hard time or you've had a stressful week or you're feeling uncertain about something. And this comforting person is sitting next to you. And I want you to just, just as best as you can, try to visualize, like, what is that person's body language? So are they kind of leaning in? Are they just sitting there? Maybe they have their arm around you. If it's a pet, maybe you're kind of gently petting its fur and noticing how that feels on your hand. And then lastly, like, what would be the words? What would they say to you? But also keep in mind what's their tone. Because when we're when we're kind of going through something tough, our tone can be like, you know, high, or it can be kind of really judgmental or blameful. But this kind of person that you're envisioning sitting next to you, like, what's their tone? Is it soft? You know, do they talk at a slower pace? Is there certain words that you pick up on? Maybe they're singing to you. It could be anything. And then really just taking a moment to kind of feel that present next to you, to hear their words. Because oftentimes it is hard to think 
of the words ourselves, right? Like I'm doing the best I can. Maybe that's a little bit hard to kind of tap into, right? But it's really, it's a lot easier for us to give advice to others, right? Like how many times when a best friend or family member has gone through something and we're just easily like, you know what? You did your best. You're going to get through this. But we don't always say that to ourselves. So this is a way to kind of, if you can't find the words yourself, because it can be difficult to kind of tap into that a little bit more to think about that person sitting next to you. And then as, and then I would even kind of say, think about what is a soothing touch for you? So is it kind of maybe, you know, if this person's sitting next to you, maybe like they'd have their arm wrapped around you. Maybe you might just take a moment. And again, if you feel comfortable, whatever feels right for you, of just maybe you might kind of gently sort of touch your arm or maybe almost like you're putting lotion on your hands you might even kind of wrap your hands around sort of your shoulder, your forearms, and just kind of noticing that. And then as you kind of do that touch, some people like they like to do um, their scalp, like imagining they're brushing or combing their hair and kind of touching their forehead, hand on cheek. Never kind of comes to your mind. Sometimes you have to experiment with it a little bit. That's totally okay. And then as you do that, think of those words and just repeat them to yourself. Is it, I'll get through this, I'm doing the best I can. Or maybe it's, may I be safe? May I be happy? Really just trying to take a moment to kind of feel those words, see how it kind of feels or shifts maybe in your body. And it is totally normal if you're mine right now, if there's a part of mine like, yeah, that doesn't help. Or what are these words? Or this is, or, you know, I got to do this test and I got a lot of stuff to do. That's okay. That's what our minds do. So you're not doing it wrong. Just shift your, just gently like acknowledge that, but then just bring your attention back to maybe the words or to the soothing touch, whatever it may be. And so that's really just, you know, a practice or a way, even that itself, like, you know, and, and I want to say like these three kind of main components of self-compassion, like you don't have to do all three. Yes, three can be very beneficial, but like even starting with one, right, whether it's acknowledging the feeling or taking a moment to just check in with your breath, right, this is a huge step that you're taking. Marina? That exercise made me feel so much calmer. I can I can feel my peripheral nervous system kicking into action and calming me down. Um, Great. But yeah, I really liked this as this kind of notion of may I may I be kind to myself. It's sort mm -hmm. of asking yourself for permission, right? Because we we talk to ourselves in in this way all the time, and and you know, we talked about this a little bit before, but there are reasons why we talk to ourselves in this way. We believe somewhere that yeah. it serves some kind of purpose. So yeah. Yeah. at least what I hear a lot from people is, you know, if I'm kinder to myself, I won't be as productive. Um, and yeah. a lot of people yeah. think that they need to be really hard on themselves in order to meet um, high standards. And in that sort of situation, people, they resist 
self-compassion because they're afraid mm -hmm. that it's going mm -hmm. to affect their productivity or their success, right? And that's another thing I think comes in the way very often. So I like this idea of gently, gently introducing the idea of kindness by asking that part of you that is stuck on, I have to be mean to myself to achieve things, asking mm -hmm. it for permission. Can we try this? I know you're mm -hmm. there. I know you're serving a purpose, but can we just, can we try this thing and see if this works maybe? And not, not being really aggressive with those parts of you because they, you know, they will resist if you sort of push against them too hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would like to add on to that and say that you know, that's actually a, a really prominent part of uh, some of the meditation practices that I've read books about and is um, one of the main pillars of one of the types of meditation that I try to practice is loving kindness. Okay. Or, um, and, and I think it's just so imperative that we almost treat ourselves as if we weren't ourselves. Like I kind of, uh, when I speak to myself, I envision a different version mm -hmm. of myself speaking to myself and in like a very loving way whenever I can. So it's not always perfect. But yeah, I, I also really enjoyed the exercise uh, that Jenny did. For me, it did not relax me at all. It actually oh. made me feel really yeah. nervous and sad, mm -hmm. actually. But yeah. to be honest with you, um, I, it's, I've just been struggling a lot lately, uh, like yeah. with the recent loss of a pet with oh, a lot of stress so at school and at home. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Don't, <laughs> well, it's not okay, but thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what I've been trying to do so much is just really check into how I'm feeling and just sitting with that discomfort because there's no way that I'm going to experience all these things and then just be fine. Like that, that'd be sociopathic to be, <laughs> that'd be completely sociopathic. If someone in your life or if a pet in your life just passes away, like that's sociopathic. If you don't feel a, a good amount of discomfort or sadness for a while. And um, I think being able to sit with that yeah. has been so imperative to me being able to like actually function in my day-to-day -day life. Because if I didn't, I know that it would just pile up and then mm -hmm. affect me in ways that I don't even want to think about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your pet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? And I am so glad you brought that up, Valeria, because, you know, and for sharing that your experience was different because like, I want you to know that there's not like, you know, Marina said that she felt calm and, and that's great if you feel calm after this or you feel more energetic or happy that's a bonus but it's not always a guarantee because sometimes it's hard to sit with that and that's human nature why we don't always want to right and yes there can be this rational part of us it's like okay i know it's normal to feel this way but it can still be really difficult to do right and so to actually kind of sit down and like you know, maybe think of somebody that brings that warmth to you can bring mixed emotions as well. There's actually um, like an analogy that that I'll sort of use because, yeah, everybody can kind of feel differently, but this analogy of backdraft. Okay. So for example, like if there's a fire in a house, 
and the firefighters go rush over, right? And there's flames all, you know, flames going on. And as soon as they open, let's say they open the front door, as soon as they open that door, well, fresh oxygen from outside is getting in. So what happens is a big flame comes out. That's backdraft because it's like the, 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 ox, the, the good oxygen sort of thing is kind of coming in, right? And it's all coming out. Think of your heart that way as backdraft. Sometimes when we're letting that maybe comfort in or that presence or acknowledgement, it's not uncommon for kind of like this flame almost of backdraft of like, yeah, I still feel unsettling or now I'm noticing a lot of different emotions right now. And, you know, it might take a little bit of time, whether that's an hour, or, you know, a couple of days or whatever, because that's backdraft, right? You're trying to let the good in the feel good, the comfort to kind of recognize the pain you're going through or the hard moment you're having. And so that stuff is trying to get out. So maybe and this can just be like another exercise for like, you know, viewers for anybody, but like, you know, maybe when you kind of tune into yourself a little bit more, or maybe like, you know, if you're kind of doing exercise or you're doing yoga and all of a sudden you have this feeling of like, I just want to get out of here. Or there's a surge of emotions as I'm, you know, being more kind towards myself, maybe you might say, okay, this is backdraft. Because what that might also help with is knowing that this isn't going to last forever. Everything has a beginning, middle, and end. I'm letting kind of that goodness or that comfort come in. I really, uh, I really appreciate that you had a different experience, Valeria, because to be honest, I cheated a little bit because I've done this exercise before. <laughs> and um, the first time I, I did it, I, I distinctly remember almost crying because I had just not let in that kind of kindness in such a long time. And I sort of it just, you really acknowledge how much you hurt yourself and you look inwards and you, you see really the effect, you notice the effect that the negative self-talk has on you. And sort of this uncomfortable feeling, it's almost sadness. It's almost this, this extreme mm -hmm. sadness when you, when you realize kind of how you talk to yourself and that's at least what it brought up for me the first time I, I did it and that backtrack absolutely so I, I think that's completely normal and if mm -hmm. if I can if I can at least be an example I initially struggled with that a lot and you know you still do um it depends on the day and how you're feeling but as you practice it and as it becomes more of a common commonality or common theme in, in your life to acknowledge these feelings and to speak to yourself in a kinder way, then it starts to feel more normal. And mm. that sadness starts to go away and it becomes replaced with a, a sort of feeling that you've taken care of yourself, which is like deeply nourishing for your emotional well-being. So yeah, that's just all I wanted to add for that. Oh, thank you for adding that. Yeah. And just to, sorry, Maria, I, I did want to go back to something you said earlier, too, because you brought up a, a good point. Um, and, and, and I'm sure lots of other people can relate to this because, because I've heard it as well around why it, it can be challenging to sort of be more kind to ourselves or, or practice self-compassion or acknowledge how we feel because there can, you know, be this belief of like, 
I have to kind of motivate myself through being hard on myself, right? And if I'm nice to myself, then I'm going to be, and I'm using an air quotes, even though I know you guys can't see me, but I'm being soft, right? Or I'm not going to be able to achieve things, right? People that are more kind towards themselves, they're also able to achieve things, right? But Perhaps, um, well, actually, there's been some research that shows that their distress levels aren't so so high, or maybe they're experiencing less anxiety or depressed mood or, you know, being more kind towards themselves um, after maybe something that didn't go so well. So they can, you know, people can still kind of get the same results, but it's just sort of like, you know, kind of the aftermath of that. And, and then maybe even to go back a little bit and think about, well, where are these messages kind of coming from? Like, I have to be hard on myself to motivate me, right? Okay, well, let's acknowledge that, okay, that you're noticing right now that your mind is like, I need to be hard on you. Makes total sense, right? You've heard this message kind of growing up from, you know, I don't know, I'm just throwing out some examples, but like, you know, from coaches and teachers in your life. Right? So it makes total sense why your mind's telling this. But as we acknowledge that, it does create space to, do you want to go along with that? Or are you willing to try something a little bit different? And by trying something different doesn't mean it's going to make that be hard on yourself completely go away. Right? But with practice, it might kind of be a little bit more in the background. Right? And then you might find that maybe you're feeling a little bit less stress. Or you might find, you know, as, as we just discussed of like, where maybe you're still feeling a little bit distressed as you kind of practice kindness towards yourself. But then eventually it kind of like, oh, okay, I'm noticing there's maybe less tension in my body. I wanted to comment on what Marina said about like showing kindness to yourself. I think being able to show kindness to yourself when you're feeling so emotional is really just such a radical act of self-love to be able to sit with yourself and accept yourself through that emotion instead of pushing it away is mm. a dramatic act of self-love. And um, I, I like how you brought up also kind of Jenny, you, uh, you brought up the idea of vulnerability and mm -hmm. like, just again, just being able to sit with that. I had one more thought that I wanted to touch on. Oh, um, Mm, I forgot it. I lost it. It's gone. <laughs> okay, Marina, did you want to speak? Okay, maybe, yeah, no worries. Maybe it'll come, come back. Maybe it'll come back. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to speak to the idea, that idea of that productivity and kind of motivating yourself through being mean to yourself, basically, or very hard on yourself. What I've sort of learned through personal experience, uh, at least for myself, is that I've realized I can't pour from an empty cup. If I don't take care of myself, I cannot be productive because eventually, eventually you hit a wall, eventually you burn out, eventually it's affecting your ability to to think even or re recall things. It's It's really when you're exerted because because you haven't sort of nourished and balanced these other parts of your life and other things that you know you need to acknowledge that are mm -hmm. important, then you have less energy for that for that task. And so I mm -hmm. found that I, the way I sort of look at it is is that 
being self-compassionate and especially if you take if you're a caretaker of and by caretaker I mean you're the type of personality that really likes to take care of other people and be kind to other people and very often these kinds of people tend to be pretty mean towards themselves as well but if you're that kind of person and you maybe have this resistance of oh if I'm you know too kind to myself or if I focus too much on myself that's selfish or you know I, then I can't mm -hmm. help others mm -hmm. as much there as well it's quite the opposite where I've found you mm -hmm. you have to put your oxygen mask on before you can help other people put theirs on mm -hmm. so just in terms of more of um, how I've come to view the idea of needing negative self-talk for motivation is this is my sort of counter thought is, is what that I introduce whenever I'm having that thought I sort of remind myself hey like I remember burning out when I have ignored these needs before or I remember not being able to be a supportive friend when I wasn't emotionally supporting myself and that can remind mm -hmm. you of why you need to practice self-compassion mm -hmm. and those factors are also external they're not just about how you feel there's just so many reasons to practice self-compassion and and if if one reason isn't good enough for you there's there's a bunch more out there i'm sure yeah and what i heard through that too is like sometimes like when we're going through something we forget like you know the things that help us it's not uncommon or like we're feeling pretty good and then we let go sometimes of the things that help us or we get busy or whatever right and then you know what what i heard through that too is like you know you keeping a list of like reminding yourself i don't know if it's like mentally or like on paper or on your phone or somewhere of like these are the reasons why i'm doing that right these are the reasons why i'm taking a moment to kind of focus in on myself because we do kind of forget you know, the reasons why, and sometimes it can be internally, okay, I feel less stress, or I'm able to focus more. And at the same time, it's also like, well, you know what, my value of like my friendships, right? So in order to be there for myself first, that actually helps with my value of my friends, because now I can be more present with them. Now I can be kind of more engaged and connected. So like you said, that oxygen mask sort of analogy, Right. So it's self-compassion. Like you said, it's not selfish because by you helping yourself first, you're then able to help others because then you have maybe a little bit more energy. Right. You've kind of tuned into your needs. Maybe you're able to focus, engage more, whatever it may be. Right. I'm wondering, would it be helpful to maybe do sort of one last kind of like as, as we've talked about the different components? I'm wondering, would it be helpful to kind of do sort of, you know, maybe a three, four minute short sort of exercise that kind of ties it in all together? And then, of course, what, you know, start with what works for you, right? That sounds great. It would be a great way to sort of synthesize this into a practical conclusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Okay. So yeah, just get comfortable. There's no right or wrong way, right? You can um, keep your eyes open or closed or half open. You can find something even to lightly gaze at in the room if you'd like, right? I mean, obviously, if you're driving, please keep your eyes open and just listen to this, but, but you can still kind of practice. So yeah, just kind of settling in maybe to your chair, or the floor, or the bed, whatever you may be sitting on taking a moment to just kind of shift your attention to your feet touching the ground if, if they are and imagining the roots are connected to that you might even notice your chair touching your back your back touching your chair you might even take a moment to slowly kind of pull your shoulders down away from your ears 
And then just kind of think of a situation, nothing too, too stressful, but just something that has caused maybe a little bit of discomfort or a little bit of stress, right? Just kind of thinking of that situation. You know, maybe it's something at school or maybe it's, you know, the stress of all the cleaning you need to do at home. Um, you know, maybe it's something else that you've been kind of dealing with, whatever it may be. And just as you kind of Think about that sort of stressful or hard experience. Just kind of take a moment and see, you know, if it feels comfortable to just kind of drop down to the body a little bit. And just notice if there's maybe any sensations, maybe. And if there is, just curiously, just kind of note it. Like there's some, you know, tightness in my chest or noticing some tension in my shoulders or maybe I'm not feeling anything at all. That's okay. There's no right or wrong feeling. And then as you think of that kind of stressful situation, noting kind of the tension, then just kind of take a moment to just acknowledge or notice what your thought and or feeling is about that situation. So maybe it's, I'm noticing some stress right now. Or there's that thought of, I won't be able to get it done, whatever it may be. And then period, right? And then gently just kind of, if it feels okay to place your hand on your heart, or if you find something else, like another soothing touch, so hand on cheek, or if you like kind of the arms or kind of the lotion on the hands or touching your fingertips, just as you tune into that, after thinking about the stressful situation, just kind of acknowledge that that was really hard for me. This was a hard moment. And then maybe then connecting it with other people. Lots of people have probably also felt this way too at one time. Or whatever words feel right. So maybe it might be all beings go through something. Or maybe it's some people have also probably felt this worry. Whatever feels fitting for you. And then just taking a moment to breathe kind of in through your nose, slowly out through your mouth. And then thinking now of words that really resonate. Maybe, may I not be so hard on myself? Or maybe I did the best that I could. And if those words are a little bit hard to find, again, maybe think of somebody kind of next to you or sitting in front of you and hearing their voice. What would they say to you? How would they kind of help? comfort you or support you through that. And then again, just kind of repeat it to yourself, repeat those words. And just take a moment how that kind of feels in your body, right? if that feels comfortable to do so. Maybe you might imagine feeling kind of their warmth there. 
maybe the tension is disappearing or maybe it's staying the same. Again, there's no right or wrong way. You're just taking a moment to notice how that feels to offer yourself those kind words. And then when you're ready, you might slowly open your eyes if they're closed. You might kind of maybe wiggle your arms, move your body around, your feet. You might kind of look around the room and just notice where you are. And then gently just kind of bring your attention to right now. So that's kind of one exercise. And, you know, some people may feel like if they don't have the full time or you want to start in steps, right? Again, maybe you just take a moment to kind of, when you're going through a distressing moment, to just kind of validate that. Like, this has been a really tough week for me. Or maybe it's just kind of like, you know what, repeating to yourself. Again, I think it's finding the words that fit for you. Right? So maybe there's some kind of quote or an affirmation or, you know, um, a mentor of yours that always had this saying that, you know, really inspired you. Maybe it's repeating that a few times. That's even a way to be more compassionate towards yourself. And in terms of finding those words, I, I think you can kind of, when you're so in tune with your, your body and your emotions, you can kind of tell what the what the impact of saying something is you know like if i if i repeat a phrase that doesn't quite resonate with me i'll have a bit of bit of an uncomfortable feeling or maybe i don't quite buy it you know um yeah. but if it's yeah. if it's a line that really resonates with me it hits different almost so finding what hits Absolutely. different uh then that helps inform just just make sure that you customize this as much to your own mm -hmm. personal self because everyone is very different mm -hmm. yeah. and I, I think one last thing would be to um remember that none of it is perfect none of it is linear i think that's yeah. something that uh, yeah. i really want to emphasize especially for science students because we tend to be such perfectionists <laughs> <laughs> nothing is linear nothing is perfect it doesn't have to be perfect you just have to try it and it's gonna be rough sometimes because it, especially if you have a habit of not recognizing your emotions because then it's gonna it's gonna be rough like uh, from experience like if you don't pay attention for a while and then all of a sudden all of your mm -hmm. attention is focused on the way you're feeling it's gonna hit mm -hmm. you like a truck mm -hmm. and that's fine and it's normal to not feel okay with that it's just something that uh, you kind of have to love yourself through and nurture yourself through. But yeah, I, I actually need to get going, which is hilarious. Like <laughs> we we're talking no about taking the time to like pause and, but like I, I have a meeting to get to. So I, think <laughs> no I need to wrap this up. Yeah, no yeah. worries. But uh, Jenny, I wanted to really thank you for coming on here and speaking with mm -hmm. us and uh, speaking on the pod. And I really hope that this can impact some people and, um, in a substantial and tangible way. Thank you so much for having me. I'll just say one last thing, if that's okay. I mean, thank you so much. And, and I mean, there's so much more that I could add to that. And like, 
like Valeria is saying, I think, you know, um, of course we don't want it to be rough, right? But sometimes, like you said, it's not linear, right? It doesn't mean, you know, it's straightforward. There can kind of be backs and forths and, and turns, but also taking it at your own pace and what feels comfortable, right? And maybe that's just kind of acknowledging, you know, how you're feeling or just acknowledging a thought, right? That could even be a starting point. And so um, just because, you know, this is part of Ryerson and so uh, just, you know, students, I just wanted to put that out there, um, the Center for Student Development and Counseling. So you can, you know, if we, we do have counseling services, so if you're wanting to speak to a counselor, um, then you can email our wonderful administrative staff, which is csdc at ryerson.ca. And, you know, they'll be able to kind of book you an appointment. I would say it's good to put in your email just kind of sometimes that you're available. It kind of makes things a little bit faster. Normally, mm -hmm. you go into the office. Uh, um, we can leave all the information yeah, for that in the and if oh, there's anything okay. else that you'd like us to uh, include, you could uh, email it to us as well. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, guys, for having me thank here. Thank you so much for coming on, Jenny. You've yeah. really taught us a lot sure. today. Maybe we'll have you oh. again on again soon. Sure. You guys taught me a lot as well. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.